Have your Bibles. Turn to James chapter 2. James, James chapter 2. Hebrews, James, towards the back of the Bible. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you. We can gather together and just to worship you. Holy Spirit, I pray you would help us to have hearts that want to worship you, that are open to you. Lord, I pray you help us as a church that we would desire to be one, so we could lift up the King of Kings as one creation before you as we long for that. I pray that as we struggle with that today, that you would help us to grow in that. Lord, I pray you be with those who are just struggling emotionally and spiritually and physically. Holy Spirit, I pray you touch them, draw them to yourself, and lift them up, encourage them. God, help us have a heart for you. Give us your grace and your strength. We thank you for sending Jesus Christ for us. We ask this in your name. Amen. We have been just finished Missions Month, and so we've been going through the book of James. We're going to go back to James this week, and the next week is Easter, so we will um, not be on James next week. We will then pick up after that. But we have went through the book, the chapter 1. We finished chapter 1 a few weeks ago, about a month ago. And James is the brother of Jesus. He was close to Jesus. He rejected Jesus. And then later, after Jesus died and rose from the grave, he became a follower of Jesus, became a leader of the church. He was one of the first leaders of the church at Jerusalem. He was a pillar of that church in Jerusalem. And he's writing the book of James to a group of people who are followers of Christ who have been spread about. They've been persecuted. They've been going through all kinds of troubles and poverty and trials. And Jesus, James is saying, have joy in that. And the last thing he said to them in chapter 1, verse 23, says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. And the whole challenge of the rest of the book of James is to be very practical. And he says, Take the word of God and let it be a mirror for you. And now I'm going to point out to you some things in the mirror that I see amongst you that I want you to work on because true faith is this. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his whole heart, the person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So the picture of a true Christian, a true follower of Jesus Christ, is someone who watches their mouth. They guard what they say. They care for the helpless, the most helpless, and they remain clean from the world. And the rest of the book of James is just very practical, saying this is how to live that out. This is what it looks like. But I want you to look at your reflection in the mirror as you go through this. And as a church, I want us to do the same thing. The mirror is the word of God. And so as we come to the mirror, we got to look at what it says about us first. Because it really shows us who we are first. Not what we're supposed to do first. It shows us who we are first. And James jumps right in and says, take a look at this. This is your reflection, and I want you to be concerned about and do something about this. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13 says this, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. 
For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as though who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is very practical. James is trying to go after the sin of partiality, the sin of favoritism, the sin of putting somebody else above just because of a distinction. The word partiality, the word literally means to receive the face. That makes sense, doesn't it? You look at somebody and you decide up or down if they are going to be better than you, less than you, or equal. And then you're going to decide how you're going to treat them or how you will respect them or what you will do with them. And James says, don't do that. It's wrong. And he's going after the sin of partiality. That's the reflection that we see in the mirror. And if we're all honest, if we look in the mirror, we are guilty of that, aren't we? We're all guilty of partiality. We're all guilty of showing favoritism. And James says, before you run to find out what you're supposed to do about it, you first got to acknowledge the fact that this is what the mirror says about us. This is the reflection that we see left to ourselves, isn't it? We are guilty of partiality. And James says, I'm going to go after this. And he, he does it by really bashing on the ushers when he uses this illustration. We have an ushers meeting right after church today. So ushers, this is the pre-part of the meeting. Now, ushering is a very, it's a great, good thing. It's a wonderful thing, unless it's in a wedding. Ever many been an usher in a wedding? It's like the ultimate rejection. I'm your friend, but I'm going to make you buy a tux and then work for me uh, on my day. It is a brutal thing to be an usher. Uh, but this is who James is going after here. He's going after using the illustration of an usher. And he says to him, he uses this big example. He says there is this reality that is true of all of us. As we look in this mirror, as we reflect on what the Word of God says, there is a reality of partiality that we all deal with, isn't there? If we're really honest with ourselves, and it comes in all kinds of places. The, the one that he emphasizes is resources. Rich people or wealthy people, people that look like they have money, and those who don't. And we are guilty sometimes of that as well. We are impressed by somebody who looks a certain way, and so we think we have to treat them with a little more favor than somebody else. And I've also seen it the opposite way, 
where people who have money, people who don't have money, they like treat them bad because they've got something that I don't want. And they show partiality to them. True? We see that. We are this way. Resources one way. And then race is a big way in our culture even today. All over the news the last few weeks. This is the driving thing. The sin of partiality. And race. Racism is an abomination before God. And we need desperately to ask God to help us not be partial in that way. Resources. Race. And then there's just random ways that we are partial with people. There's age. You know, some people who are, they, they get older, and the younger group says, there's nothing I can learn from them. I'm going to set you on a shelf, and we'll stop by every once in a while to, to wipe your drool. That's how the older people feel that the younger people say about them. And the older crowd looks at them, and all they can say is, pull your pants up. Come on. I can't talk to you with your pants hanging down. There's these, that's partiality. And there's this division and then there's politics. If you're a Republican or if you're a Democrat, we can't really socialize or we can't really join together because we just butt heads. It's partiality. It's a sin. There's even smaller ones, like if you send your kids to homeschool or if you keep your kids home for homeschool, if you send them to a public school, and it works both ways. Those crazy homeschool people and then those crazy, wicked public school people. And there's these, this is, happens in the church. It's wrong. It's partiality. And there's another one I think is just very dangerous, which is this sin of this assumption, spiritual assumptions that we make of people. That we look at somebody and we think that we know what they're going through spiritually, or we think what we, we think that we know what they believe spiritually about something, and we believe something totally different about that, and so we go after them and we cause division, and then we, there's partiality, and we just assume something about somebody. Well, I haven't seen them in church for three weeks. They must be away from God. That's partiality. Or they're always in church, so they must be better than me. That's partiality. James is going after this, this reality of partiality that we all deal with if we're honest. And if we look at the mirror correctly, And it's ridiculous, he says. It's absolutely ridiculous. And he uses this illustration as an exaggeration, probably. And he says, here's this fine-dressed guy coming into the assembly. It could be this church, or it could be the Christian court that they had back then. This is an assembly together of believers. And there's these visitors that are coming in. And the ushers, so these people are greeted. The wealthy guy with a gold ring, who basically means he's, he's showing his wealth. He's got some stuff. And so people see him. They bring him in, and they set him down, and they let him have the good seat. And the person looks shabby clothing or just poor, dirty. You stand over here. You're not as good as this person over here. And James says, church... That's not the way it should be. That's a sin. It is a sin. It's against God. It's ridiculous to be 
partial. Look what he says in verse 4. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? That's wicked. It is wicked when we do that. When you click on the television and you see somebody from a different race and you make a comment about his race, it's not funny, it's wicked, God says. If you see somebody who's got a nicer house than you and you comment about that in a way that is trying to put them down, that's wicked, the Bible says. That's sin, that's evil, and it's ridiculous. Because this is what it says in verses 5 through 7. James says, this was going on in some way in this church. And he says, listen, there's a couple reasons why it's absolutely ridiculous for you to be this way. First of all, it goes against God's plan. Because isn't God's plan that usually, not all the time, but usually, he chooses the poor into the kingdom of God? That's usually God's plan. James and Jesus both grew up very poor. Mary and Joseph were their parents. James is Jesus' half-brother. Jesus grew up very poor. He understands what it feels like to be poor. James does. He understands poverty. Mary, his mother, and the Magnificant talks about how it is the favor of God to go after the poor. And he's saying, yet... You're going to think it's okay to be partial? That's wicked. That goes against everything that God said. That goes against God's plan. That's not right. Why would you do that? It's absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. Just because someone has a nicer house than you, you're going to separate? Just because someone has different skin than you, you're going to separate? Just because someone has more money than you, you're going to separate? That's ridiculous. That's not the way God designed it. That's not the way God intended it to be. So this is this partiality thing. It's a big deal. And then he also says it's, if you spend your time in partiality, if that's your life, if that's what you are about, not only is it ridiculous because it goes against God's plan, it's ridiculous because it, it goes with those who blaspheme God. Look what it says in verse 6 and 7. But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the riches, are not the rich? Are you kidding me, he's saying? You dishonor the poor man? Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Isn't the reason that you are scattered abroad? Isn't the reason that you can't join together with your assembly? Isn't the reason you're not with your family like you were because you've been scattered abroad by the rich, the people who are out to get you, the ones who don't follow Jesus Christ? Yet you're showing partiality. You're joining with people who blaspheme God when you do that. It's ridiculous. To do that, but we're all guilty of it, aren't we? We're all guilty of partiality, and that's a problem. What are we going to do with this problem? Because law won't change it. We live in a culture that is all over the place right now trying to figure out how to deal with partiality, how to make laws to make things fair and equal. Is it working, though? 17-year-old boys still get shot because they have a hoodie on with Skittles. But there's all kinds of laws that are being made to show partiality and to try to make things equal, and it's not working. Law will not 
take care of this problem. And works won't change it either. Because it's in our hearts, isn't it? You can start to work on it in one area and then realize, oh man, I'm doing it in this area over here. So you start working on it in that area and you work on it, wow, I'm doing it over here. The law isn't going to change it. And just trying hard to not be partial and say all the right things, do all the right things, is not going to change it. It's the reality. It's our reflection. It's ridiculous because it goes against God's plan. But there is a remedy for it. Because, and we need the remedy. Every time... We show partiality. We display our depravity, our fallenness, our rebellion against God, and not our true DNA as believers. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we are in Christ. We are free in Christ. We are new creations meant to display God's glory. And then every single time, we make some partial comment, or we show some type of favoritism, or we make some derogatory comment. We're not displaying our true DNA, who we really are. We are displaying our depravity, and why would we want to do that, James says. We need help with this. God doesn't show partiality. Deuteronomy 1.17 says, do not show partiality. Acts 10.34 says, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. And Romans 2.11 says, For God shows no partiality. For followers of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's in us. Who we are is supposed to reflect God. We have Christ in us. God shows no partiality. So if you think it's okay, well, it's just a little comment. I only do it when I'm at home with my family. It's just as wicked and corrupt at home with your family as it is when you're at work with your friends. What's the remedy? James 8 says, if you really fulfill the royal law, and some of these were doing this, this is the royal law. If you fulfill the royal law, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Love is the remedy for this. But how do we get to that point? Because the truth is, left to ourselves, we don't do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. Dealing with different people and dealing with different personalities and dealing with different situations will leave us depleted, doesn't it? Even if you try really hard to get along with people, and if you really try really hard to uh, deal with some of these prejudices, some of this partiality that's kind of in, inbred in us, and you work at it, it kind of leaves you drained sometimes. You're still going to be drained because the reason we show partiality is because we think that that person's not going to be able to give me what I want. And this person over here will give me what I want. So if you try to go after the people who aren't giving you what you want, it'll drain you. Because you're not going to feel satisfied. It's just the facts. But love is the answer. So how do we get to that we need radical mercy on us to be able to do that, to be able to fight through partiality. James said, this is like, listen, if you just try to do it by law, it's wrong. It's, 
compared if you do everything right and miss it in one way, it's like adultery and murder. This is a big deal. This is a very big deal that we need to see as a reflection in us. We, as a body of believers and as Christians, need to deal with this reflection. But the remedy is found in verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glorious glory, or the glorious Lord. Jesus is our answer for partiality. Remember in the Old Testament when Moses was on the mountain and he was getting the Ten Commandments and he came down and he saw God, he saw the glory of God? What was on him? Remember his face shined so much so that the people couldn't even get near him. He had to wear something over his face for a long time. The glory of God shone out of Moses. It demonstrated the greatness of God. Then Jesus came along, who is that same glory. The Lord of glory is Jesus. But how did Jesus come across to people? Did he walk up and separate people? Did he say, I'm for you, I'm not for you? I'll hang out with you, but I won't hang out with you? No, Jesus did the exact opposite of partiality. He constantly went after the people that the world would not be with. That everybody else put down, Jesus hung out with. The Lord of glory. If you want to be like Jesus, you can't be partial. You've got to fight it with all your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to change you. Say, I want to be like Jesus. Jesus, you're filled with glory. That is God. You displayed it in Moses. And then you lived it out as a human being for me to see. And it's different than anything that I imagined. Jesus said to love your neighbors. Jesus said to be about peace. Jesus said to go after those who are different. Go after the hurting. Go after the poor. The remedy is Jesus Christ. We need to live lives like Jesus Christ. We need his mercy. He didn't have to do that. He could have dealt with it any way that he wanted, but he did the exact opposite for us. Isaiah 53 says this, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of a dry ground. And he had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed." All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus suffered all the pain of partiality. 
He felt the pain of everybody who received it, and he took, he took the punishment for everybody who ever did it for us so that we can have hope. Jesus is our hope in this. If you've been put down, if you've been put aside, Jesus has suffered there and he's been there for you. And if you've been somebody who's put somebody down, if you've been impartial, and that's in your heart, Jesus took the punishment of that for you. So you don't have to be that way anymore. That's the glory of the gospel. What you did, what you received, Jesus did it all for you. Our hope is Jesus when it comes to partiality. Jesus was unbelievably impartial. He walked into Jerusalem where people were throwing palm branches down, crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. All the time knowing that in a week, these people are going to be very partial to me. They're going to kill me, but he still did it anyway so that we could have hope and mercy. Every year, about 10 years now, I've done vacation Bible school and decorated on Father's Day, and I'll be out here till midnight or later. And the last thing I always do is try to figure out how to partition the fellowship hall. And always trying to figure out what to do. There's nothing to hang things on. There's nothing to separate. We have the crafts on one side. We have the games on the other if it rains. And so I'm, we're out here decorating, decorating in the back of my mind the whole time. It's like this heavy weight thinking, how are we going to do it this year? What are we going to come up with this year? Last year was terrible. How am I going to figure out how to divide this place up? It's difficult. I'm frustrated with it. I'm trying to figure out what to do. And thankfully this year, Barbie came along and figured out a much better plan than I did for eight years. But it's a stupid thing. But it was a burden to me. It was difficult to figure out how to divide up that fellowship hall, to partition it, to separate it, to be partial about it. Extremely difficult for me. Yet it's very easy at times to be partial with people. That's wrong. And my prayer for our church is that it would become as difficult as it is to divide up the fellowship hall for VBS to be, as a, to be a church that thinks it's okay to be partial. My desire would be that somebody that comes in our church and our fellowship and they want to be impartial, they want to have just attitudes that are wicked and sinful, we as a church would just be so against that that they would find no safe haven. That they would just say, what's wrong with these people? Everywhere else I go, it's acceptable. But these people love Jesus. They even love me and my impartiality, but they won't join with me in it. So they will say, there's something different about that. That church is fulfilling the royal law that if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well, and that will draw them to Jesus. That's got to be our desire, Cornerstone. Jesus suffered impartiality for us, and he took our punishment for impartiality on him. It's wrong. It's ridiculous. We need to confess it and fight against it and ask for mercy to triumph over judgment and the sin of partiality. Let's pray. In a moment, we're going to prepare for communion.
where Jesus came and shed his blood for every tongue, tribe, nation, social status, economic status, emotional status. And he said, come, take of me, eat. I'm going to ask us just to bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment of silence. How you doing in impartiality? Does it mark your life? If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to repent and ask Jesus to give you the grace to change and fight against it. Jesus came for all. Maybe this morning you just need to take a second and say, how is my heart as I come to the table? Jesus says, come, drink of me, eat of me, come to the table. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we invite you to come and partake this morning. Let's take a moment and prepare our hearts. Mm-hmm.